0: Two things I think about daily, Jane Kay from Bird's Nest in Cooma and, and hers was, when in doubt, be generous. I try and use that all the time, whether it's with customers or my staff or my family, I just think, when in doubt, be generous. You know, and it always, it's, it's far easier to be generous than to not.
1: Hi, and welcome to Life on the Land, a Grazy Her podcast telling stories about rural and regional women across Australia. My name is Emily Herbert, and I'm your host for this episode. Pip Brett is like a shower of confetti on a sunshiny day. She epitomises her styling motto, more is more, less is a bore. The founder of clothing and homewares emporium, The Sonic, located in the heart of Orange, Pip is a total inspiration for regional retail. She's a brightly clad, creative whirlwind who innately knows how to bring ideas to life. With a fiercely loyal community and a global following, Pip has come a long way from her 21-year-old self when she moved home from Sydney to open her first tiny clothes shop, Igloo, 14 years ago. While the turbulence of COVID-19 has been a bumpy ride for many in retail, Pip describes it as the best worst thing that has happened to the business. It also sparked the merging of her clothing line, Igloo, and her interior shop, Jumbled.
0: I did it during COVID, and it was something that I've been thinking about. Maybe for a year before that, I was in Chicago at some retail awards and it just came to me in the middle of the night. I'm like, why am I fighting against myself sending people two different ways? I should be just sending people to one place, you know, and it's it's made such a big difference. It makes a difference in store, just focusing on one thing instead of two. Even though it still is the two businesses, it just yeah, I feel like my brain is freer. Mm, liberating, yeah. What were the retail awards? Um, they were called the Global Innovation Awards, and we were sent to represent Australia, which was amazing. And we were one of the winners. I didn't even know kind of what we were going for or anything. I just was like, yeah, I'll do that. Free trip. Hell yeah. And my husband and I went. And as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, my God, I want to win now. And he's like, you're not going to. Anyway, um, we did. And it was amazing. It was just a really amazing event just focused on retail and it just – um. Yeah, it was really inspiring to see that we're on the right track, not only in Australia, but globally. And it was cool that a little regional store won a, an award. And, and um, yeah, the whole thing of the night was that, you know, retail isn't dead, boring retail might be you know, the whole media in the industry was so down on retail at the time, which it probably is a bit now, but in reality, like it's, it's an amazing, amazing business to be in. And um, I think the opportunities are endless, but you do need to be more than just a bricks and mortar store. I think that's what the event really showed us. You have to be events and workshops and collaborations and like just creating a really great experience.
1: Well, I'd love to rewind to back to the beginning just before we jump into all that juicy goodness. So let's set the scene. You're in Fiji. You've just celebrated your graduation from fashion and design school in Sydney. You're 21, sipping a cocktail, and you decide to move back to Orange to open your own clothing store. Where did this confidence come from? I
0: think when you're 21, I don't know if it's confidence. It's probably like ignorance. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But I think um, I finished four years of uni, and I always wanted to do something creative or business. I'm not sure, and the idea just came to me. You know, I think when you're on holidays, you get that clarity on life. So. we're just there. And I was like, I'm going to open my own business. I'm going to open my own clothing store. When I was in Fiji, I didn't actually know it would be in orange yet. I, um, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And the more I explored it, the more I realized it had to be in regional New South Wales, because, you know, at the time it's very different. Now there is, there is beautiful stores in every small little town that you go to, um, you know, lovely cafes, homeware stores, fashion stores. But back then, there wasn't really much you could get out of the major cities. And so I think it was more knowing that there was like an opening in the market and um, just going for it. I didn't ever think it was going to fail. I don't think I thought too much past deciding on doing it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I guess, you know, confidence is one of those slow build things, isn't it? Like I'm actually quite a shy person. So, but I think just certain things happen in your life that make you stronger and better and braver, you know, mm. even now I get super nervous before even doing a podcast or something like that. So I think, you know, the more you you flex those confidence muscles, the better, but Yeah.
1: And it's a little bit um, like they're saying, bite off more than you can chew and chew like mad. I imagine that's what it would have felt like in those early years.
0: Oh, yeah. The early years were so tough. Like, is it, I think it's half of all businesses fail within that first year. And I very easily could have been one of those people. Um, but yeah, I feel like those first three years were quite tricky. But as soon as I hit that that point, that's when... It started to really build after the three-year point. Maybe it was the two or three-year point. But I think it takes a long time. You think a business is going to boom all of a sudden, but, you know, a small few do. But I think it takes a long time to work out who your actual people are, who who your audience is and what they actually want, and vice versa. They've got to work out who you are as well and and Yes. Yeah, so it, it is a slow process and I'm not sure if you knew how long that struggle would be if you would go into business, but you know, it was still super enjoyable as well and challenging. Um, but yeah, it was really hard. I was living, um, had a little store and it was like, it was an old butcher's shop. It was $200 a week and that included my house next door, which was amazing. But just super tragic when I'd had a bad day, um, made no money or, you know, I just had to walk next door into my cold, freezing house and it was um, kind of miserable. Yeah. But it just makes the success even better. And it's almost funny when you look back on it. Almost.
1: (laughs) Almost. Yeah. Quite as raw. What were some of your, your early learnings? From those those um, challenges of the first years,
0: like mum, so mum had her own clothing store for twenty five years, and so she was a great teacher. And she was always like, "Just start small. You don't have to have the shiny things to start off with. Just do everything you possibly can yourself." So I worked in there the whole time. I was really careful with my budget. Mum was like, don't overbuy because you can be going so well and the next season can totally wipe you out. So just being really conservative with with buying um, was probably my takeaways from all of it and starting small and working out what worked. But, yeah, doing it all yourself is really hard when some of those things are not your skills. So um, bookkeeping, invoicing, you know, before the days of zero, which lots of people would probably have with their bookkeeping, I had to enter in every single um, transaction in and out, you know, and it wouldn't balance at the end and doing your own baths and, you know, all of those things. I think it just gets, as you get better and bigger, you you're able to give, a, give some of those jobs away. And I guess the challenge at the start is you kind of have to do them all because you can't afford not to do them all. So, yeah, I think being young and, not, you know, young and full of energy and no kids and things like that really helped because I could just focus on doing all of those things
1: well you now stock your mum's beautiful art in Jumble's yes. incredible big landscape paintings so fun and, yeah. and colorful um, as a, as a business owner you know how did she inspire you she had so much longevity in the country with fashion what was some yeah. of the, the biggest learnings that you you gained from your mum
0: well mum mum was a teacher um, and and she started with a kids' clothing store, and I mean, no, sorry, a kids' clothing brand. You know, it was in the 80s of um, puffer paints and screen printing and applique and tassels and all, and all of that sort of stuff. And so I think that started going quite well, um, and that then. Sort of took her into women 's fashion, and then my dad passed away, and she set up a store and I think it was amazing to see her do it all on her own and for someone that would be quite um, mum is not a risk taker she 's very conservative and and um, would um, but not conservative in the way she uses color or anything like that, but conservative in the way she made her financial decisions. So it was amazing that she had this wonderful business that really was one of a kind. um, And she just stayed so true to what she did the whole way through. It was always one-off pieces, colorful pieces, and she had a really loyal following. Um, Yeah. So watching her, do it all and do it all so well. And she worked so hard to look after my brother and I, like it was just a total inspiration to see someone, yeah, do it for themselves. But, yeah, I guess the love for colour and pattern is innate within us. Um, Yeah, I guess seeing her do it was the best learning and mentor that anyone could ever have in retail but in creativity also.
1: What was life like growing up in Orange? What are some of your most vivid memories of childhood?
0: Oh, well, we grew up on a farm just out of Orange at a place called Blaney. And um, we moved into town, um, I think, just before Dad got quite sick. So we moved right into the middle of town in the CBD, like half a block from Mum's shop, which was very, very helpful, Um, after school and things like that. But um, I guess growing up in Orange, such a great place to grow up. But I do remember mum working a lot. So my brother and I would just have these crazy adventures after school. And um, uh, I don't know, Orange is just such a beautiful place to grow up. And I think, you know, even more now, you know, during COVID and um, post-COVID, just feel so lucky to be living here. Um, It really is the best of everything. But, yeah, I don't know. Childhood was great. It had had some huge challenges. But, um, yeah, all in all, really wonderful.
1: Did you ever expect that you'd move back to Orange after being right in the hub of it all culturally and the the bustle of of Sydney?
0: No, I didn't think any, I, I actually don't think I ever thought about it. I um, went away to boarding school, which I adored, and um, then went to uni in Sydney. And even when we, I made the decision to move back, I actually didn't really think about it. I didn't think that then I would be in Orange. Like I just, I, it actually didn't cross my mind until... I don't know, that sounds so stupid, but until kind of recently where you're just like, I'm so glad where I am, I just, it was like an accident moving back here. It was more, I saw an opening in the market and I thought, how wonderful, Orange would love this, Orange needs this, Um, but no real forward thinking of what that meant you know, until having kids here and stuff. I don't know. That will sound really, really silly. But maybe maybe deep down, I, I don't know. Maybe deep down I knew I wanted to be back here. Like I would never consider moving from Orange. When people move or have to move for work, I'm like, oh, my God, why? That's so <laughs> sad. Oh, my God. Like I actually can't think of anywhere else I'd want to live.
1: So you opened Igloo, your fashion store, in 2006. How did you make the segue into homewares and interiors?
0: I think um, so I had this little store up the end of an alleyway and I was um, going to the bank and there was a, a store that had just opened up that wasn't, I thought, oh, I don't think that's going to last very long there. Um, when that comes up for rent... I think I'm going to rent that and I'm going to open a shop in there as well. I didn't really know what it would be. And then one day I was walking to maybe the post office and I saw that it was for rent and I was like, oh gosh, okay, I have to do it now. And I'd bought a house and realised that really I loved art and homewares just as much as I loved fashion. I think I was ready for another challenge. Um, The igloo was going really well and I just felt like I needed yeah, the next thing. So Jumbled came about and, um, and, and I guess as soon as I opened it, it was again, the reality of, oh my gosh, I've done this to myself again. Now I have to like prove myself again that, I don't know, like get a new audience, work out what people like, find new suppliers. Like I hadn't I hadn't fully thought that part through either. So, but definitely because it was a different time, there was social media. I think social media was just starting as well. You know, I already had a bit of an audience that, um, you know, it was a lot easier and quicker to get to that point of breaking even than it was with Igloo. But, yeah, it was that reality of like, oh, whoops, okay. (laughs) But yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that, um, we did do it, but I didn't think back then that it would be, that it'd be possible to be where we are now. Obviously didn't forward think, forward think a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, you've obviously got the recipe for success. It it works. How did you figure out what people liked or wanted?
0: You know, in the early days, I think I was buying, and for both stores, things that I thought people would like. You know, I was like, oh, that'd be so good for mother of the groom or, you know, I think so-and-so would like that. But now I honestly, you know, I had this thing where I bought this French provincial clock and it's so not my style and it was huge. And I was just, I just hated it when it arrived I was like, oh, I don't even want to put it up in the shop because it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like me. It didn't feel like jumbled. But I bought it because I thought someone will like this. So from then that clock, I gave that away to someone and I was like, I'm only going to buy things that I truly love myself because I thought as we got a bigger Instagram audience, I thought well, if I like it, surely there's someone else out there that likes it. So I guess at the beginning you have to appeal to your local community. So I guess I was trying to buy for what I thought they would like. But now I guess with a larger audience, it's been amazing in just buying what you totally adore. And it's easier to sell as well. It's hard to not keep yourself, but (laughs) it's easier to sell when you love what you're selling. So I think as soon as I made that decision, you know, the business flourished. It goes, there's been lots of points in the business where a decision has made it go the next level. And that was one of those ones that just made the biggest difference.
1: Well, you do operate from the mantra, more is more, less is a bore. Totally. The success of colour and the boldness of, of your products and services, do you think that kind of... Uh, speaks to what the appetite is in in regional areas we're not just keen on on the rustic look and, and the neutrals look but people have an appetite for for fun and joy in in their homes
0: I think it's not even just a regional thing I think colour for me was not a business decision that I made it was more it's exactly what I love so I can't help but be colourful so that is what I love and what we're selling. I think people often think that regional, you know, regional areas just like linen and wood and white things and rustic stuff and things like that. And the same with coastal areas and the same with, gosh, everywhere really. But I guess it's, um, you know, not everyone loves the same thing and I feel like there is lots of people out there that do love that do love colour. So I think we're appealing to that part, but I think it's like anything you think, I know, I just recently went to Byron Bay um, and had a little look at the shops and they all to me looked, you know, there's some amazing things going on up there, but they all looked very similar. They all were beige, linen, wood. I couldn't see the difference. And I, I don't know. I find that really sad when all the stores look a little bit the same. So I think it is fun. It is nice to have fun with your interiors and colour is such a wonderful way to achieve that. And I, and I don't mean by making your house like a crazy rainbow, like maybe it's just adding some beautiful green or maybe a little pop of orange, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm. So you opened Jumbled in 2010. And then fast forward. (laughs) Mike,
0: I uh, I think so.
1: I'm not very good with (laughs) (laughs) you. And then fast forward six years, and the Old Masonic Hall came up for sale. Tell me about the concept behind the Sonic and how that all came about.
0: Yeah, so the Old Masonic Hall was actually for sale, I think three or four years before um, we even knew that it was for sale. It didn't have a for sale sign on it growing up you know I just lived up the road and it was always a really scary building because it had no glass at the front no doorway the grass was always really long it was white with a big like blue evil eye up in the top part and (laughs) um you know we used to go past it going oh it's like haunted um but I think we'd reached a point in the business where jumbled had outgrown its store. Like I was in the tiniest, tiniest little shop and was stuff from like, yeah, it was overflowing pretty much. And so it had grown online was going really well. And so I was looking for a space that that could go into. And my husband who he's super uncreative but he was walking the dog late one night and he came back and he's like, I think I found you your new shop. And, and he'd been going past, um, the commercial real estate buildings window. And it was a little picture in there and, I, and um, we looked it up online that night and I was like, Oh my God, that could be amazing. And so we, um, our friend was a real estate agent. We texted him. We saw it the next day and, um, at the time it was a clothing factory and, you know, it was bright orange outside and there was tracksuit pants as far as the eye can see and screen printing tables. And, um, we got up in the ceiling, I like could had all these false ceilings and we got up in there and it was those amazing beams that are up there. And I was like, just speedy. I was like mouthed him. Oh my God, we've got to buy it behind the real estate agents back. And, um, yeah we we somehow managed to get it and it was amazing it was um, my husband luckily is a builder and so it took us where the um, we had a year of the clothing factory being tenants which at the time I was so annoyed by because I really wanted to get in there and get going but we really needed thank gosh that year of rent to help us pay for the renovation, which we did on like the tiniest budget we did in six weeks because then we realised, oh my God, we're paying like now double things in our old store. Um, we did this crazy reno that literally nearly killed us. Um, but we were able to create this sort of concept store of coffee, fashion and home. And I guess it was from that day we first walked in, saw all those beams. It was very similar to what we sort of envision I'm like the clothing could go there there could be a cafe in the back this could be the you know and it all sort of yeah it was amazing and that was another turning point for our business um yeah it was amazing and I'm so I love the sonic
1: down the dusty dirt road a woman sorts through the mail that is delivered once a week Although her internet connection is patchy and unreliable and the phone calls to loved ones far away drop out, she knows that the parcel that has arrived will be reliable, inspiring and timeless. Best read over a cuppa, Grazy Her the magazine is a source she will draw upon each quarter to connect with the other people and women across the industry. A subscription to Grazy Her is the perfect gift for your loved ones that are living far away. It's filled with stories and recipes from women across Australia. Subscribe now to take advantage of our spring subscription offer, a free The Grampians Goods & Co. luxury soap bundle. To place a subscription, head online to www.grazyher.com.au. Post some love with the Grazy Her gift subscription. So what did you do renovation-wise? How did you transform the space?
0: Oh, well, we, well I chipped all the render off all the walls and exposed the brick, which literally killed me. We just opened it all up. We painted it all white. We exposed all the beautiful history of the building, which was, you know, that the Masons had built back in 1864 and it was... Um, yeah, it was fascinating, really. All the floorboards were original. Um, yeah, it was, it was Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing to work together, Speedy and I, my husband and I, and create it. And, um, yeah, it was so wonderful. So as soon as the doors opened, we were busy, and that was amazing.
1: You met your husband at a Year 7 dance, I believe.
0: Yeah. Back, <laughs> had back a in the
1: day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and now he works in the business. What's it like working together?
0: Well, he, he was in the business. He started like a couple of years ago. I was feeling really unwell and sick and, um, you know, it's when you are waiting to hear whether you have a particular illness or not that I was like, if I, if I have what they thought I have, we're going traveling, I'll get rid of the business and we'll just, we'll just travel And then if I didn't have it, I was going to expand and do all this crazy, stupid stuff. And I didn't have it, and so I was like, "Okay, righto, let's let's do this, Speedy. Let's like do all this stuff." And he's like, "Yes, yeah, right, right, let's do it." And then he came back a couple of days later, and he's like, "I actually think we're going about this all wrong. Shouldn't we be like slowing down and then doing the stuff that we thought we would do if you were unwell? So let's like travel. Let's like." we've got this great business, let's just work on it together and, you know, and like I said, again, that was one of those other turning points when we both were working towards like the same goal instead of going two different directions. Um, And it was so fun having him at the shop, like really, really, we all get along really, really well. Um, But currently he's building a house. So he's been doing that for the last year and we're about to move in hopefully hopefully. And um, then hopefully he'll come back to the packing room, but I don't know. I don't know if he will or not, but yeah, it's, it's a good, um, you know, one of those good reality checks, you know, of working out what's important in life. You need those things every now and then to pop up to um to go, Hey, what you're doing stupid, slow down a bit and um, focus on doing things better rather than doing more. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we've been trying to do in the last little while.
1: Yeah. You are the queen of evolution in terms of always, uh, you seem to be pivoting and able to bring new things into the business, but how do you weigh up that kind of, well, it's not so much burnout, but the Mm. chance that things could go down that path, um, which we often get faced with an illness or something like that. And, and yeah, yeah. You know, how do you catch yourself and, and how do you know uh, when to say yes and, and when to stop?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, when you hear, you know, someone floats an idea or you come up with an idea and you might say it like Jess, who works for me is my, like go-to girl, my total rock. And i be usually like in the like in the middle of the night, i be, Hey, I've got this idea. You're going to hate me. But if that idea sticks and it's still like amazing and you really want to do it, then, you know, it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you have to sit on things and other things just sit on a little list but it will come into fruition later when the timing's right. So I think it's about knowing, yeah, like you sort of have to say yes to the amazing opportunities and other things you can just say, oh, timing's not quite right. And um, I don't know, I just think you sort of know when something, when you can't let go of something. So I think that's more... what we're what we're trying to focus on at the moment. And I feel like, you know, we've got lots of things in the pipeline. We've got lots of little ideas that we want to do, but it's about spacing them out and working. Yeah, just working through them. Some things are long term goals and other things. We're like, we must do that. We've got to do that. Let's try and lock that in. But it hasn't quite happened yet. So that's probably for a reason as well. But I don't know, I think Maybe it's as you get older, you work out what what your limits are a little bit more. I I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. I've got amazing staff and before I would, I think, I don't know, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Like I would always feel like that they would need to see me working maybe. Like I felt guilty, but now I'm like, "Mm, no, it's okay. I can have the weekend off or I can go do stuff. I don't know. It's a weird, we're weird creatures, aren't we?
1: <laughs> mm, Million miles an hour. It, yeah. The, um, the concept behind the huddle, your, the yeah. women's business networking event you held just in February. I assume that was an idea that you just couldn't let go of.
0: Yes. I, I, and I'd been thinking about it though, for years. Like I think since I opened the Sonic, um, the Commonwealth bank sent me away for a few days to Noosa for a a women's conference and it was every single person I sat next to had the most amazing story and just hearing people's business stories was so inspiring that I was like, oh, imagine if you could do that one day. And then, you know, I take trips to Morocco and I find everyone you meet, everyone's business story is so fascinating that I was like another seed planted in my mind. And then, you know, we had the terrible drought that's only orange is only just coming out of. And we're, you know, we've done a couple of things like, Donating money to coffee for coffees at local cafes in Canamble and Walgut and things like that. And I'm like, I really feel like I need want to do something more meaningful, like something more helpful. I don't know, like, and that was another seed planted. And then Jess and I were in Melbourne at a trade fair and I randomly sat next to a lady called Melissa from the Lockcoat who's a business consultant, she was talking about regional business in such an inspiring way that I was like on the walk home to Jess, I was like, I think now is the time. Like we need people like Melissa to come to our area and share her knowledge with us. Like maybe this is our way we can help other businesses like ours to get through the drought. And we're like, yes, who would we have? And so, you know, we started to dream and plan what this event could be like. So it was like, what would be our dream event and how can we make it as flawless as possible? And so we made it over a weekend in orange because we felt like we really wanted people to experience our community as well, which also helps our community. And yeah, we ended up with 450 women and town was like a colorful, loud buzz. It was amazing. And um, yeah, it was just a total life highlight that weekend. It was um, really wonderful and amazing to think that happened before COVID. And yeah it definitely set me up mentally and you know and i think other businesses as well
1: so you had this amazing lineup of of mentors who shared their business story what yep. were some of the biggest takeaways you got from from the guest speakers
0: oh they're all so amazing they're all from very different backgrounds so lots of different things but the the two things i think about daily probably so we had Jane Kay from Bird's Nest in Cooma and, and hers was, when in doubt, be generous. And so I feel like I try and use that all the time, whether it's with customers or my staff or my family. I just think every time a situation comes up, you know, that you have to problem solve, I'm like, when in doubt, be generous. You know, and it always, it's, it's far easier to be generous than Mm -hmm. to not, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to take the path of being hardline and not on the nicer side of things, it never feels good. It never works out. It's just, it's more work to be awful. So I just think, that's been a huge thing it's such a simple thing it's such an amazing thing as well and then grace brennan from buy from the bush when she said um progress is better than perfection i say that to people all the time Mm. um that have got a new business idea or they're doing something i just think it's such a good thing to live by um but also from the whole event um what I took away from even the people that attended all the amazing women was that, um, you know, a lot of the time, the one thing holding back women in business is ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, our own self-confidence, which I find really sad, but kind of amazing because, you know, when you can get past that, you know, women are doing amazing things. And I think with, with the drought, you know, it was so inspiring to see the amazing things that women are doing and have had to do in order to create these lives for themselves. And not even just from the drought, I guess, from being in a regional community, if you want to live out there, if you want to have children, you need to sort of, like I think when you start your own business, it's kind of like crafting, you know, your life for yourself, you know, how you want to live, how you want to operate, you know? So I feel like, you're forced to almost do it and so yeah it was amazing to see the really cool things that people were wanting to do or had started doing and even since the event um hearing people's stories and feedback has been really 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 wonderful and I can't wait to have another one hopefully in 2021 hopefully
1: bring it on i think we'll all need a little bit of inspiration after the year that was 2020 totally. you did you did sneak it in just before covid which is a real blessing uh, how was covid for you guys and, and how did it affect jumbled
0: yeah i think um look the first part was so scary i just um you know, when you've got people relying on you for their livelihoods was probably the worst part, this, your staff and not knowing the end point. But, um, you know, I probably cried for a day and then I just decided that I needed to have a plan. And so no one else was going to pull me out of it. I had to do it. And, you know, I, you know, I feel bad, you know, Victoria's just come out of their lockdown. So I feel... So sorry for them. I just think to be in for a second time, I'm not sure how I would have handled that. But for COVID for us, so we'll close for three months. Um, and it, you know, maybe it was one of those best worst things that could happen to you. So I think I was like, my plan was I'm not gonna make this stress and horribleness. Fee for nothing. So what am I going to do with the time? So we already had a good online store and a good online following. So we were set up to keep making money. We were able to, you know, we're able to spend and focus our energy just on online sales, and it sort of showed us that you know the online if you have an online element to your business, it's endless, really. It's mm-hmm. as endless as you want it to be, you know? So we were able to create great content. We had fun. We told our story, you know, the highs and the lows and, um, you know, I think like any pause, like when you go on holidays or, or like when I went I have a shower as well, there's no other distractions. I think COVID was that as well. You work out what's important what you value and and it gives you the time to think and and work on you know all those things i've been dreaming about on that big list to actually try and do some of those so try to tick those off and now they're all coming into fruition now so it's been you know i merged the two stores together and so we've just got one website instead of two or one instagram instead of two and um you know, we rebranded, we got a mural that I've been wanting to do. We replaced it. We fixed stuff at the shop. We set goals for ourselves. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was an awful time, but it was also a really, really amazing time. You know, I think you also, my family was the happiest they've ever been. Like it was lovely just refocusing on your family and yourself and what's important. And, yeah, it was kind of a good, it was a good thing in a way. And I think, you know, Orange, since lockdown ended, it's been absolutely pumping and heaving with people, which was quite scary, I guess, at the start when the COVID, when COVID still felt so everywhere. Um, but, you know, our local communities really thrived, Um, with the tourism coming to here. But I feel like those seeds were planted um, with buy from the bush and stay in the bush and that awareness of like getting out into your own backyard that I feel like those seeds planted early in, you know, last year and the year before have all started paying off now. But, yeah,
1: Mm, COVID. Yeah. exactly but looking at your Instagram you do have such a a following you rock the socks off social media what advice can you give to others about gaining traction online Uh, it is such an important element to um, run in conjunction with a brick and mortar business so what sort of advice could you or pearls of wisdom can you offer
0: I would say like just to do it it um you know as a business owner your list of to-do jobs on a daily basis is growing, isn't it? That it is just, um, it's almost sickening to think of it. But, you know, Instagram costs no money at all and you just do it, you know. And I just put things up and I don't think too much about it in that I'm a bit embarrassed when my husband watches them. I'm a bit embarrassed when I think of people watching them, that I just put it up and, and try not to think about it too much because it really doesn't matter. People, you know, you care more about yourself than people really care. They're too busy worrying about themselves, so they don't care. Um, and if they unfollow you, then they're not your people. Your people will follow you. So you just do what you do. I just think that it's a really... Um, good way to tell the story of who you are, what you stand for, what you're all about. Like it's so visual and um, yeah, you can really show people, and stand out from your competitors. And I think being regional too, you just have such a distinct story in regional Australia as well, that I just would say to people, just go for it and don't care too much. Just pop something up and you can always delete things. So it doesn't matter. But um, it really is, it's just the greatest way we're so lucky to be in this day and age where you can reach your audience for no money in on a platform where people are actually going to it to be inspired and to get joy. It's not like an email where you're bombarded and then your inbox is full. It's like, yeah, people actually love looking at it. So why not be a part of it?
1: Did you have a a social media strategy from the start? Oh,
0: like in a way, yes. I had a girl working for me at the time who was really really into technology and what was happening and she was like you should do this thing called Instagram I was like no what is that I've only just got the hang of Facebook which I really don't have that big a hang of but um she's like no you just kind of show what you do during the day like little glimpses of what you're doing and behind the scenes like a picture of your coffee or a picture of your feed or a bunch of flowers on your table or something I was like really? Oh, okay. And, you know, just gave it a go when it worked and you gave it, you tried something again and then that worked. And so, you know, I actually really enjoy doing it. I find it is a really challenging and creative space to be doing things like taking photos and, and also using your business brain as well. Um, But you don't have to be ultra salesy on it. Um, so I guess the, the strategy would be to, and I guess it's evolved over time too, but at the start it would have been to sort of show who we are and what our lifestyle is, who my staff are, what we're selling, and then show the product that we're so passionate about would be our strategy. Um, but now I guess we've sort of got a bit of a form formula that's maybe a habit, Um, but it's about giving joy and inspiring and giving back in a way that's more, we're just trying to be all about joy.
1: Yeah. It is such a great platform to go and get inspiration, especially, you know, if you're doing up your house or looking for that special piece to to or wedding in terms of, um, you know, people for our community, some, do you have some tips for some really easy ways, budget conscious ways that they might be able to style up a room or, or their house?
0: I would just say to only buy what you love, you know, and in that if you buy something that you love and it costs a little bit more than you were thinking, you're going to get your money's worth because you're going to love it. But also I think if you buy what you love, and it tells a story of who you are and like whether it's clothing or a piece of art or something for your home, um, then I don't think it's ever wasteful. I think if you go and try and fill a space or follow a trend or, um, you know, you, that's when you waste money because you don't truly love it, you're not truly invested in it. So that would be my piece of advice.
1: Mm. No, it's really beautiful. You uh, do so many wonderful collaborations in your store with different artists. How do they come about?
0: Oh, collaborations, they either go to the person or they come to us and it's as simple as asking, you know. It might be a phone call, might be an email, might be Instagram. Um, That's as simple as they happen you know, and it's, and it's like whether the timing's right for them or for us is um, whether things happen or not. But I think um, the best collaborations are when two brands, two people, um, two creatives, they come together and their separate skills complement one another. So, you know, you're utilising each other's knowledge or yeah, it's, and, and that's where the magic happens. It's like um, it's been one of the most exciting things that has sort of happened out of COVID really is the collaborations and creating our own exclusive product has been um, so fun because it sort of, it just gives us the most joy being creative.
1: What exciting collabs have you got coming out?
0: Oh, we've got some. We're just about to shoot um, one once it stops raining, hopefully, with Clancy Job, which will be amazing. And um, it's a collaboration that we've done with Bonita. So they're a fashion brand. And Jess and I were able to create a dress and skirt of our dreams. Okay. And so Jess actually painted all of the motifs for it. And it's, like, crazy. So good. It's like lobsters, oranges, flowers, sequins, stripes like everything we could possibly dream of all in a dress and a skirt. So, about to start shooting that. Um, we've got a really cool thing, earrings coming out with a Meldo. But maybe we've got some good stuff coming out before Christmas, which is really exciting. But then next year, we've started lining things up um, and working on stuff, which is really exciting. It's just, um, I'd like to do something cool every month, but we'll see if we can make that happen. But yeah, it's exciting. I think, you know, when you think of collaborations, you know, it might be just within your community, you know, aligning with someone that is similar, but not the same as you. I think, um, we could all be doing it, which is so. You know, money doesn't have to pass hands; it's just utilizing
1: each other. Yeah. What's on the trend forecast for for summer?
0: Oh gosh, what is on the trend forecast? Hopefully, you'll be wearing a new um, skirt and dress, perhaps. But I do think, you know, what COVID has taught us in the last like year that you know, only buying things that bring joy that you really love um, is important. And I think the that whole thing of entertaining and the home and the family and um, coming back together again is something that we will be seeing more coming forward in um, homewares and, yeah, especially within the home. Um but, yeah, I guess we had Mari Kondo just before COVID as well, that trend. So it's almost like it's a follow-on from that. But then I think, you know, buy from the bush, shop small, um, shop small business, they're all not so much trends but they're things, initiatives that I feel like will be pointing people in different directions of where, that they, where they buy from, like who you buy from, what you're buying, Like where is it made? I think those things are going to become a bit more important and sustainability, um, yeah, I think it's those bigger picture things that are actually the really small things that are going to be more important, I think.
1: Buy from the Bush just showed the power of the conscious consumer and Mm. the power of the collective. Did you see the ripple effect in Jumbled and your business?
0: A hundred percent. And just even within our community and um, it was a mate, the traction that it got for starters is just goes to show that if you have something that people want, it's going to do well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people were wanting to help with the drought, but they didn't know how to do it. And it gave, it gave power to communities and to business and, and it literally, changed people's lives, which I think is so amazing that one tiny little thing can be so massive. And I've heard of so many business people that have um, been able to build a studio or a workshop or build an extra kitchen or it's just amazing. But our whole community has really um, flourished from it. But I also think it's set up so many rural businesses to cope with COVID also. So I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's amazing it only started a year ago when it feels like it's been around forever and it's a real tribute to Grace and her team. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And it's cool that there's so many female orientated female businesses that are just kicking goals and um, doing it for
1: themselves and for
0: their families.
1: Absolutely. Well, Pip, it is such a, a privilege to chat to you. You definitely bring a lot of joy to my algorithm. So thank, <laughs> you so thank you so much for your time and for doing it for for regional chicks everywhere. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And
0: I love Grazier, So thanks, Emily. How fab
1: is Pip? She's like a shot of espresso mixed with sparkles. A real takeaway for me was the inspo to simply start that side hustle all the business, that regional Australia is littered with infinite possibility. She's a pragmatic go-getter, and I came away from the call totally ready to dive into life and also ready to wear a lot more colour. We will link to Jumbled's Instagram and where you can find out more about the shopping powerhouse in our show notes. Also, tell us where you are by sending us a picture of where you're tuning in from. It gives us a buzz to see how widespread our community is. You can help us to continue giving a voice to women and their stories in the bush by sharing this potty with your circle. It helps us get found on all the important podcast lists. Don't forget to check out our magazine in your local stockist or gift a subscription to a friend at grazyherd.com.au. This is a Grazy Ho podcast produced by Manson & Company.